welcome back to The Dad Chronicle. I'm your host, Alex Albisu, and this is episode 83. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that you can visit thedadchronicle.com to subscribe to this podcast for free. And while you're there, check out all of the great patron rewards by clicking the link to our patron site. Lots of great stuff happening there. I want to thank all of our patrons for helping to make this podcast possible. Thank you. On today's episode, I speak with Mark Spagnolo. Mark is also known as The Wood Whisperer. He has his own YouTube channel where he is a full-time content creator, video producer, and woodworker. He has some really awesome content. So I encourage you to go to YouTube and check out The Wood Whisperer. Really great stuff. But not only is Mark an awesome woodworker, he is also an awesome dad. Now, if you are familiar with the Frog Pants Network, you probably know Mark and his wife, Nicole. So I was speaking with Nicole when we were working together on America's Next Top Podcaster, and I said, I gotta have Mark on this show, and I'm so glad to be able to share the wonderful wisdom that Mark brings to this topic of parenting. Mark has a pretty incredible story. We talk about the power of being an entrepreneur so that you can put your business on pause for the sake of family. For people who might be watching me trying to do what I do, or maybe trying to become you know, an influencer of their own, is to say, you know what, it's okay to walk away, especially when family is involved. We talk about his children being born premature and how that is often a traumatic experience for new parents. But that was one of those moments that made me realize this is the passing of the baton. Uh, yes, this was a little traumatic, but modern medicine allows a baby to be born that early. And finally, we talk about his own father, who wasn't around when he was a kid, and now he plays a role in Mark's life as well as Mark's children's lives. The thought of having a big, strong dad in your house who can keep you safe. And, and uh, you know, as, as a child, that's one of your heroes. And it's a huge perception as a child that daddy is always there to take care of you. And I didn't have that, but I craved it. Here's my conversation with the Wood Whisperer himself, Mark Spagnolo. Mark Spagnolo, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm very excited to chat with you. I think that um, your uh, background and, you know, like, I feel like we haven't ever crossed paths before, but we've <laughs> always kind of like been in tandem together. So I'm really happy to uh, to get to chat with you about fatherhood tonight. So thanks for being here. Really do appreciate yeah. it. I'm glad to be here. It's um, one of my absolute favorite topics. Beautiful. Well, um, why don't we start off by introducing you to the world? So, for those of you who uh, who haven't heard of Mark Spagnolo, like, what would you? How would you introduce yourself to uh, to a wide uh, internet audience that maybe hasn't heard of you? I usually just say I'm a woodworker. It makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Um, I, I primarily teach woodworking and I use the internet to do that in any way that I can. Um, I love building furniture and I love showing people what goes into the craft of woodworking and trying to bring them along in that journey. So um, I pretty much document everything I build online at thewoodwhisperer.com. Um, I've written a couple of books, which you could probably find in you know, Barnes and Noble and on Amazon, uh, specifically about woodworking. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Everything we do and every part of our business uh, kind of starts at the core website, and that's thewoodwhisperer.com. And it's so valuable. And like we were talking about, I don't personally do woodworking, but I love watching your stuff because it's so relaxing. Like, and it, it's like you know, watching you kind of create something from nothing, the art of it all. Like, it's it's really awesome to watch. That, that's cool to hear. And that's part of why I like doing it. Um, there are, of course, like any job, there are stressful moments, but there is a serenity in my shop and I go in that space 
it's my creative space and I just make things, you know, and as, as I see wood being cut, there is a therapeutic sort of relaxing thing that happens when I'm in there. So I can, I can relate to what you're seeing in the videos. Oh, totally. And we're going to talk a bit about your um, experience as an entrepreneur, as a creative and balancing family life. But before we really jump into some of that, why don't we talk about your family? Um, Do you mind introducing us to the Spagnolos? Yeah, sure. So, of course, my wife, Nicole, uh, is my partner in crime, business partner. And uh, uh, well, she she actually just it feels like it was just yesterday that she started working for the business, but it's been several years now. So it truly is a, a very family oriented business that we have here. Um, and of course, Mateo is my son. He will turn eight in a couple of weeks. Ava is my daughter. She just turned four. And uh, we have two little puppies. Well, they're not puppies anymore. They're big and fat and annoying, but they're dogs. <laughs> and we still call them puppies because that's what you do. They are always puppies. <laughs> I'm like looking over. Yeah, I got I got two dogs hanging out with me tonight because my okay. wife is out of town. Um, she's out okay. in Orlando for a work function. And so now, you know, the dogs are hanging out here with me whenever mama's not home. So uh, very nice. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So why don't we uh, and by the way, for folks who have listened to this show for a while, if you're familiar with America's Next Top podcaster, Nicole and I worked together on that show um, during season one. And I told Nicole during some of the interviews, I was like, dude, I got to have Mark on the show. <laughs> he, he's great, and and so here we are. So happy well, well you him. asked how I uh, how I would describe myself to people. Yeah. A lot of times, I skip the whole wood whisperer thing, and I just say I'm Nicole's husband. <laughs> it's uh, it's easier. A lot of people in the frog pants universe will will understand. They'll know who she is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you you guys, how long have you guys known Scott and all them? Wow, since the early days of podcasting, uh, 2005, 2006, uh, yeah. I started listening to the Instance very early on. Um, kind of became friends with Patrick and during one of these podcasting, because the woodworking podcasting thing is what kind of brought us into that environment. And I don't want to say like got us, uh, you know, taken seriously, but when, when you're a group of people meeting at a convention, um, if they know that you are also a podcaster, that you also do this thing, it might be a little easier to find your way into a group. And Patrick kind of just took us under his wing when we were in Vegas for one of these conferences and uh, introduced us to the whole crew, Scott and Randy. And um, and then it's been just great friendships ever since then. Yeah, it's super awesome. And I got to have I got to have Patrick on this show. He's got a little oh, yeah. one now. It's so oh, yeah. crazy. He's, he's uh, th- th- the thing is, it's one of those things where you, I, to me, it's like he just had this kid. I know. And then I heard him on a podcast and the, the kid's talking at this point. So it's, it's like, whoa, man, it goes fast. It's wild. And speaking of it going fast, I mean, your kids, I, I remember, you know, listening to Nicole talking about the kids growing up on, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, listening to her chiming in on TMS here and there. Um, what's it been like watching these kids kind of, I don't know, like like even Ava, like I, I just see pictures of <laughs> Ava now, you know, on Facebook. It's just wild to me to see these kids getting so old so fast. How are you? Uh, how are you coping with that? It's, you know, the thing is sometimes you don't even have time to stop and appreciate it and think about it. And it isn't until, you know, it's midnight and you lay down in bed and for somehow you accidentally click on your photo app and you're just scrolling through and you see stuff that's from like two years ago. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at the transition. Like it's just, it's so slow how it happens on a daily basis or, you know, it's just in small increments, but then you jump a couple of months even and suddenly you just see this huge difference. So, um, it's just, it's one of those things like it's awesome in a lot of ways, but it's also something that reminds you of your mortality, yeah. you know, because if they're changing that much 
during those couple of months, I'm aging too. (laughs) Not at this age, it's not always in great ways, you know? So it's like, um, it's, 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 it's cool, but it's also a reminder of time going by and sometimes time going by a little bit too fast. Yeah. Um, and with the life of an entrepreneur and a creative, especially your mind is oftentimes, and I know I'm this way a lot too, like it's just preoccupied with that next thing, the, uh, you know, some of the creative process, what, what's that next project going to be? How do you stay present with your kids as an entrepreneur? Well, the, I think the most important thing to do is draw, you know, boundaries and you have to have rules. And especially because, you know, my next thing that I need to work on is either in my shop, which is just a few feet away or in my office, which is just, you know, again, a few feet away, all this stuff is with me and on my phone too, of course. So, um, if I don't set these boundaries in place, I will find myself focused on something I probably shouldn't be. Or maybe I read a YouTube comment that just kind of irked me. And then my son will ask me something and I will find myself responding in a way that like, if there was a camera on me, I might not be proud of that moment. You know, it's just because I was so focused and I was interrupted. And that's the problem. I shouldn't have been doing that thing in the first place. And if I wasn't trying to get some little thing done, I would have been able to respond in a much better way to my son to, to help him with this simple thing. Even if he's being annoying, my response to him being a typical seven or eight year old child would have been a little bit more well thought out and, you know, setting a better example for him. So for me, it comes down to boundaries. Uh, and when it's time to come in the house in, in hopes of us, you know, discouraging the overuse of screens in our kids, we want to present that as well. Because if mom and dad are saying, Hey, no iPad tonight, but we're on our phone the whole time. Yeah. You know, it kind of I, I don't like the example that that sets. So it really does come down to uh, separating these things. And when I'm in dad mode, I'm in dad mode. And that's what I'm there for. I'm fully engaged. And I you know, this is all this is me saying what I like to do. This is, you know, something that I hope to achieve. It's a goal that we have. I don't always meet it. I am often, you know, doing something on my phone or, uh, you know, getting distracted by these things. But I know better and I, I do try to get better all the time by by following my own rules. Yeah. How often are you able to step away from work? You know, your typical like thinking about your schedule. I mean, you're making content daily, even on Mm -hmm. weekends. How do you balance being able to go on vacation and like like actually disconnecting for longer periods of time than just an evening as somebody that runs a business at the same time? Yeah, it's easier than you think because Nicole says, hey, we're going on vacation and then she just drags me there. So <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot of decision making going on on my part. Funny. It's simply she knows we need this vacation and we're going. And the thing is, it's like I kind of compare it to like, you know, a lot of things are like this. It's like going to the gym. Um, getting there is the hardest part. But once you're there, it's like, OK, this is great. I feel great. I feel great afterwards. I should do this more often. And it's the same thing with disconnecting, especially if it's a long term thing. Um, So if I know that like a a trip is coming up, I will make the best effort to get as much done as I can ahead of time so that I mean, I never feel caught up. But there's, you know, shades of gray there. There are points where I feel a little bit better about my workload and my, um, you know, maybe I cleaned my inbox, you know, I'm finally back to inbox zero and I could be like, okay, now I can go on vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do do a lot of prep work to get ready for those things so that I have an easier time letting go. Now, once I let go, it's like, I don't even have a business once I'm in, like we went to Disney 
um, I don't know, like six months ago with the kids. And it did take a lot to finally get to that mental state of being disconnected. Um, but once I got there, I'm like, you know what? Instagram's coming off my phone. Twitter's off my phone. I actually physically take these apps off of my phone so that I can't be pulled back in and distracted wow. by them. And I'm, I'm happy to do it when I do it. It's, it's something that I'm, I feel good about myself when I do it. And then when it's time to come back to work, they're right there waiting for me. That's, uh, by the way, that's powerful because not a lot of people have the balls to do that. <laughs> they won't yeah. like oh, yeah. delete, deleting a social media app off of your phone. when you are on that all the time, like a lot of people are these days, mm-hmm. uh, that that's unheard of for a lot of people. Like well, right now you saying that is actually giving me a little anxiety. Cause I'm like, wait, what? I would never be able to do that. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> we can um, do, what? Yeah. And well, and especially when part of your business relies on it. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't really like, you know, the, the, the sort of phrase or the concept of the influencer, but like it or not, that's who we've become. That is part of our business. Right. And when you do that, there is a certain reward for consistency and for posting on a daily basis, multiple times a day sometimes. Uh, so to walk away from that, and this is also kind of an example uh, that I try to set for people who might be watching me trying to do what I do or maybe trying to become you know, an influencer of their own is to say, you know what, it's okay to walk away, especially when family is involved. So I will put up a post that says, be back soon. And I always am amazed at how many people are just floored by someone doing that. They're so surprised that you're willing to walk away for a week and be like, I'll see you in seven days. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, well, that's, here's the thing. I don't have a brick and mortar store. I can't turn that sign around that says closed or be back at a certain time. I can't walk away from my business. So the only way I can do this is to walk away in this virtual sense. And it's, it's very powerful when you, when you can actually do that. And then here's the other thing you come back, everything is fine. Nothing happens. The numbers don't suddenly dramatically dip down. Life goes on. People didn't miss you that much, you know, and you just pick up where you left off. <laughs> yeah. See, everybody always talks about, oh, man, you, you got to be consistent, uh, you know, for every single day. And, and you know, per, that perception becomes every single day for the rest of my life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I am going to lose all those viewers and those listeners that I've I've dealt with. So uh, I, my next question was actually going to be what sort of negative uh, experiences have you had there? It really doesn't even sound like there's been a negative experience in that regard. As a result of uh, putting things on pause like that? Yeah. No, it's always good. In fact, I mean, it's reassuring to see the number of people going, oh my gosh, this is great. I am so happy to see you do this because I stress out constantly about just taking a day or two away. And if you can do this, then I know I can do this. Like with your follower count, Um, if you can pull this off, then that says that I can do this too. And if I can encourage a bunch of people to step away a little bit from social media to focus on their families, I'll do that all day long. (laughs) Like there, there's almost zero negativity from this and everyone, I think most people who follow us, um, they know my family, they've seen my kids grow up. Um, they, they know that it's in my family's best interest if I'm a fully focused father during the periods of time that I think it's important to just completely disconnect. Of course. Yes. And, and, you know, I want to talk about another aspect of the family, this fact that you are in business with your wife, mm-hmm. um, that, that actually can cause a lot of friction, but I've seen people like you and, and Scott and, and others in this creative industry really thriving in this regard. Mm-hmm. What do you think 
uh, is really associated with that that thriving sense and a creative and an entrepreneurial sense in being in business with your spouse? I think we're generally very compatible people. Um, we met as roommates. So she moved uh, out from the East Coast uh, to my apartment in San Diego. We filled this was early, early, like 2000s. We both filled out this uh, online form for roommates and it sort of matches you up with people who are very compatible. And we were like 10 out of 10 on the survey. So she moves in and that's how we met. So it's kind of weird because as long as we've known each other, we've been roommates. <laughs> we've wow. lived together. So our compatibility was always there. We had a lot in common. And I think once I started the whole Wood Whisperer thing, she was always a partner, even a silent partner to some extent, um, and just kind of being a creative partner for me. So I can't tell you how many times, and this is well before children, we would just go have breakfast on a Saturday and we would sit there for an hour and just brainstorm ideas. Um, because when you're in this line of work, it's like sometimes your your next big money making idea is one breakfast discussion away. Yeah. Um, and, and somebody goes, "Oh my God, why aren't we doing this? Let's do this!" And then you go do it, and it's it was so exciting. And I think she, uh, it took a while for us to financially get to a point that she could leave her job, but she was already working for the business just in terms of giving me the ideas or seeds of ideas or helping me form and further develop my own ideas. Uh, she was always a soundboard for me to bounce things off of and make decisions uh, with. So it was kind of a really natural fit. And then once she finally did take that plunge, there was a very weird period of time where she was not really sure what to do with herself. So she played a lot of Fallout during that time. And uh, <laughs> <She's> <laughs> she, she definitely game. caught up on video games yeah. because I think she was like, whoa, I have a full eight hour, 10 hour, however long day I want to put into this. And now I don't know what to do. Uh, so eventually over time she found her role. She not only filled in gaps, but she created things for herself. She's not the type to just sit there and, and wait for work to come. She will create the job. Uh, and that's essentially what she did that, that brought her to the point she's at now. So I think, um, you know, just be, just being very compatible people, having very clear communication. We're not the best, you know, we'll still argue and, and miscommunicate on things, but trying our best to make sure that, that, uh, that stuff is very clear, that work stuff is clearly stated and we don't assume the other person knows what we want done. Also having separate offices really does help. <laughs> yeah. So. so you're not all over each other. I mean, how, uh, involved is she with the actual production of your show? Not at all. Okay. Yeah. So I film everything myself. I have, uh, I do a lot of the editing, but I've, uh, in this past year, finally started working with a, a professional editor who does a lot of the first run through on the videos. Um, you know, from that point, I might do some voiceovers and the fine finessing of the video. I post the video. Um, so I'm pretty much doing all of the content. Um, she, there were times we've had her try doing some of the editing for me. Like that would be great, right? If I could just pass the video to her and then she tells me when it's edited. Um, but I don't think she's into that. She's just not interested in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so as far as the content itself, while that's the main bread and butter that keeps our business going, that actually is one of the things, maybe, maybe the one thing that she doesn't have her hands in. It's funny to hear you saying that you did all of the the camera work and all that sort of stuff yourself. I mean, it looks professional. Not to not to downplay your ability whatsoever, but you would almost think that you would have like this large team behind you yeah. um, doing all that. That's incredible. That's a, I'm glad to hear I've created that illusion. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> because great. it's definitely not the case. It's a great magic trick. I love it. Um, yeah. You know, let's actually take let, let's take a, a trip back in time, eight oh, years yeah. ago. Okay, you and Nicole are are. Uh, you guys have your first child. 
what was it like for you being in that position, holding your son for the first time? Well, we had a special situation because our actually both of our kids were born about seven weeks early. Mm-hmm. So I was scared out of my mind because this baby was way too small and did not weigh enough. And while everyone else was able to take their babies home, we had to visit ours in the NICU. And it was traumatic. Uh, it was a very difficult time. And that said, um, while we had that experience, we still did get to hold our son. It was just very um, specific amounts of time, which made those times even more special. Um, in the end, when I look at the way things transpired as parents, we actually had it a little bit easier because for, I think, he, Mateo was in the NICU for about four weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, but during that time, most people take their kid home and then they deal with sleep deprivation and trying to incorporate this baby into their lives right away after the trauma of childbirth. Yep. And that that's a lot to take on. Um, and the hospital's like, okay, here's your kid. Get out of here now. Hope you have a car seat. Yep. You know, like that, that sort of routine. We didn't have that. So we were able to go home and get sleep that night. And then the next day we'd visit them two or three times a day. But again, sleep in our own beds, get a full night of sleep. We had about a month to kind of mentally recover from this traumatic childbirth experience. And, and Nicole, of course, you know, had had surgery to to deliver the baby. So she had to recover from surgery. So it was this thing where we finally got like, we had a chance to get those last few weeks in and and really get our heads on straight. Um, and, and every time we went to visit them, it was the the sweetest experience and, and so short, but so sweet. And uh, one of the first times I held him, I'm like, I was still kind of traumatized over this. And I was like, wait a minute, he is still a baby and I should be doing something here, right? Like, shouldn't I sing to him? Shouldn't I do? So I started to hum the soundtrack to um, Super Mario Brothers. It was the only thing that could come into oh my, my mind God, that's and great. just kind of sing that little syncopated rhythm to him. And that was the first song that he ever heard uh, or that I and certainly the first song I quote unquote sang to him. So. But that was one of those moments that made me realize this is the passing of the baton. Uh, Yes, this was a little traumatic, but modern medicine allows a baby to be born that early and have little to no complications in the end, which is fantastic. And that's thankfully what happened. That is incredible. Oh, I love that. That was his first thing that that he heard. Yeah, yeah. It was because I'm sitting there going like, I know I should be singing. I'm like, and none of this, uh, you know, uh, rockabye baby crap. Like the only thing that came to my mind was a Mario Brothers melody. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's so funny, man. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and, you know, knowing you and Nicole, you guys are gamers. You guys like mm-hmm. geek culture, comics, um, the whole gamut. Oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, this is something that I've seen you guys impart on your kids that love and appreciation for all of these things. Mm-hmm, how absolutely. do how do you uh, like? What would you say to other parents who maybe want to instill the same sort of love for the things that they're passionate about in a way that's not smothering? Because I think you guys do that very well. Yeah, it, that's the trick. Because how do you you know what if they don't like you know what you're trying to to dish out to right. them? Um, that does happen. There's times where I'll throw on. I don't know, some cherished cartoon from the eighties. You know, I'll try to get my son to watch an episode of GI Joe and he's just not, he's not digging it. It's not his thing. So I think that the trick is you can try to expose them to as many things as possible. And especially when they're young, they don't know the difference between like eight bit graphics and what my gaming PC can produce, you know? So if you get them on these simpler, easier, uh, games and things like that when they're young, they're kind of, you can mold them in that sense. Uh, but in the end, if they're not into it, um, 
you know, and both of my children are very different. Mateo is 100% gamer. And if, if we let him, he would just sit there. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't do anything. He would just like wither away to nothing, but he'd have a really high score on whatever game he's playing, <laughs> you know? So he's like a dedicated gamer, but Ava, not so much. And Ava has just as many opportunities. And, um, and just at this point at her age, she hasn't really shown a whole lot of interest and we're not going to push it. She likes her Barbie dolls, you know? And, yeah. and it, it isn't even like we've pushed a, you know, sex role stereotype sort of agenda on our children. It's just what they get exposed to, what they see, what they like, what they ask for, and then trying to form them into these things. So, you know, I know Nicole specifically will try to get Ava to watch, you know, some female focused cartoons and things like that, that put um, women in the protagonist position and things like that and getting her into Wonder Woman and stuff like that as, as good role modeling. Um, but if she's not that interested in it, you know, you try, yeah, maybe try again sometime in the future. But by the third time, you just kind of let it go <laughs> because, again, no yes. matter how much you love it, it's your thing. And if you can get your kids to love it, great. If not, then they're going to find their thing. And even if you're not into it, that's when you have to be flexible. And yes. I think that's one of the tricks I've learned with Mateo. Um, he's got a few shows that I'm just not into or like, for instance, Minecraft kid loves Minecraft. I find Minecraft to be one of the most mind numbingly boring experiences. Oh, and, I, me too. I, I, and, and I oh. can't do it. Right. Yeah. So, so he's like, Hey, let's, let's play Minecraft. And he just wants to build something and, you know, we'll build something and hide behind a wall and we'll change what we're wearing and, and try to make each other laugh. And I'm like, I'm, buddy, I love playing video games with you, but this game, I, I, I like, I'll, I'll do it for a little bit, but I'm out. You know? <laughs> I think Minecraft but, is such a great experience for, for kids and, and especially in that kind of creative sense. It really does exercise. And this is actually like, you know, there are studies talking about the great things that Minecraft does for kids, but man, like if Arya really gets into Minecraft at some point, I just don't know what I'm going to do, man. Like, I'll yeah. go play it. Like, how, how do you do you set a time limit? Are you like, OK, 30 minutes and then <laughs> like I have to walk away or like, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Usually. I mean, he knows at this point that I'm not into that. I'd much rather play, you know, a, a group game like Mario Party or uh, yeah. some something on the switch. Uh, but he'll. um I mean, the thing is, it is it is mesmerizing to watch the things he builds. I love how creative he can be in that environment. It's just when he brings me into it that things start to fall apart. So um, I will do exactly that. I'll say, look, I'll, I'll play for a few minutes. Um, but if you want to play something else, I could play even longer. And then he'll usually make a choice based on that. What sort of like what has been the proud dad moment where you're like, he's really into that game. I'm really proud of it. Uh, with Minecraft, he started creating characters. So he was creating Nintendo characters inside the game oh, and making cool. them, uh, really large scale billboard size, um, like Yoshi and Mario. And he, he would create these guys. And I'm like, I'm super impressed at how he's able to spatially make that happen. You know, just with the blocks and the, the you know, the literal building blocks that Minecraft gives you. Um, so that was a big moment in that game, but in general, a big moment with regard to video games was when he completed um, Mario Odyssey by himself. <laughs> like, Oh wow. No, yeah. And like no assistance whatsoever. I just know he was playing it a little bit each day, a little bit each day. And next thing I know, I'm like, I'm watching I'm like, dude, did you seriously just finish this in like two weeks on your own? It was crazy. Uh, wow. And I think, well, it was when the switch just came out or when Odyssey came out. So, yeah. 
um, yeah, that was a, a big proud dad moment. <laughs> you know, I, I actually want to think ahead, you know, in a, in a few years, he's going to be in that position where he's going to be like, dad, I want to play online with friends. And, you know, then there's yeah. that whole ecosystem of filth that tends to be the internet. Um, like mm-hmm. how were you already prepping and thinking about it? Uh, when, when Mateo starts wanting to do more online gaming. Well, he already does because he does to an extent like Roblox is a game where he, he's confronting oh, okay. other people and there's chat options there. Um, and of course, Minecraft, he's playing with other people, but it's mostly emotes and drawing on signs and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but he definitely has shown interest because he he watches a few streamers and he has uh, for Christmas. I actually got a little, um, uh, you know, HDMI, I forget what the name of it is, but it's a conversion box that allows me to, uh, capture and broadcast if we wanted to, cause he wanted to start a streaming channel. And oh, I was cool. like, I don't know how far I'm going to indulge this, but let me, let me see what he does. So we got some cute, really cute videos of him playing a couple of games. Um, but watching how he interacted with it, like how concerned he was with, who is watching what he's doing, how many people watched uh, with, I think it was, what's the Mario game that just came out? Is it Paper Mario or something where you cr- you're creating the Mario oh, world? Mario, Maker. Not Paper Mario. Mario Maker 2. Yeah, Mario Maker. There you go. Can't believe I spaced on that. But <laughs> So he's playing Mario Maker 2 and he's making levels and, you know, Nicole... Uh, sent one to Scott and it was like Scott's birthday, uh, Scott Johnson's birthday at the time. So, uh, so he's getting into this, but then he kind of got obsessed with how many people played his level, how many people left comments. And he was getting upset when people weren't commenting. And uh, so what I'm trying to do is as we get into this, I try to explain to him, Hey, this is what daddy does for a living. I don't do it in video games. I do it with woodworking, but I am always looking at things like comments. How many people responded? Is this person being mean? Are they being nice? Do I have to ban this person? Like these social things we have to deal with online. And I said, it's my job to protect you from that. So you are not ready to be a streamer. You are not ready to play Fortnite. He's too concerned. Like if he wants to game with a friend, Mm -hmm. if he knows he's supposed to meet them online tonight, he, he doesn't stop. It's like, Hey, are they available? Can you text their dad? Can you see if they're available? And it's, and he gets really offended if they don't show up. And it's like, you guys are seven-year-olds. He probably mm. like had to go poop or something. Like there's, <laughs> there, there's a reason he's not here right now, and he he can't let it go. So it's a matter uh, of like understanding when he's ready. If I feel he's ready, and right now, cool, not even close to being ready for what uh, the social implications of being in that world are. And and I think the best thing we can do as parents is model our behavior because we as a family have to discuss these things. What's going on? in our Facebook group, what's going on on our YouTube channel in the comments, um, and showing him that it's not always this great thing, you know, and that it's a very difficult thing to deal with the criticism and feedback that comes back from these, from these environments. So I'm scared. I'm scared for our future with that and him. But I I think, uh, you know, more than most parents were probably armed with enough information on how to guide him through those things because we've dealt with them ourselves. Yeah, what would you say to that parent who's listening to this like right now saying, oh, but my kid's in in the thick of that? How should they deal with that sort of just Uh, terrible attitude on the internet? Yeah, I would say good luck. I mean, the problem is these kids have grown up with this to an extent. So what we as maybe an older generation, Gen Xers or however old we are, um, we may see a lot of this online behavior as despicable and Uh, not proper and, uh, you know, unethical and immoral. But at the same time, these kids, they're growing up with this. This is the norm for them. So my hope is that 
in a way, I don't I don't like this as being the result because it shows that we're just becoming jaded to it. I think we should be shocked when people are jerks, even if it's online. Uh, but when it comes to our kids, they're growing up with this environment, and I don't think they're going to be as bothered by it as I am. Like yeah. when I get a really nasty YouTube comment, let's say, I think there's an individual there who just has it out for me, and I have the uh, the in person interactions in my brain, I, I take it personally as if this person was standing right next to me. And I'm like, how dare you speak to me that way? You know? Um, but I think kids in this environment see this as just white noise. I don't know that they would be as bothered by it. And I think they'll have more, they'll be better equipped with built in defenses against the, the BS that they're going to find online. But again, that to me is a sign of things just in general being worse because that means they're okay with it. And when someone is acting like a jerk, ah, it's fine. Who cares? It's like, no, it is not fine. Yeah. This person has absolutely should not be allowed to have a voice in this environment. I said the same thing. I, I really think that this generation growing up is going to see the interactions with people in a different way. We already see it s sort of with the way kids just want to text each other, not have that you know, face-to-face -face conversation. It's like, yeah, but he didn't text me back. Well, call him. Like, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> right. But... Uh, but I really hope it never comes to the point where it becomes complacent to allow people to be rude and to think that that's the norm because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, here we are hoping, but whatever happens, happens. Sure. It, and it's a tough thing because it's like we, we only have a few human beings that we can impact yeah. <laughs> in our houses, you know, and beyond that, there's lots of parents who – aren't necessarily paying attention to what their kids do. Um, we, we pay very close attention to his etiquette online. And he did have a stint where he was playing Fortnite. And again, dealing with friends, when are they coming on? Can you text their parents? Uh, he just dropped out of the game. He doesn't like me. Um, we're trying to make him understand proper etiquette. Even, even things as simple as when you have a headset, take the damn microphone out of your nose. Right. Like keep, <laughs> the courtesy is to keep it away from your face. Do not chew a bag of chips while you're in a game with a bunch of people like the simple courtesy that you, uh, you know, that I think an older generation might just uh, just by instinct know to do. He doesn't, you know, yeah. and if, if no parent is there to police what he's doing and say, whoa, 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 dude, the, like you, you don't do this or don't spam this guy with invites. You know, he'll he'll respond when he's ready. Those little things we're trying to to show him that and, and teach him that as we go to to make him a good online gaming citizen, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. You know, I want to um, first of all, this all this knowledge that you're kind of providing and, and guidance around uh, raising this generation is fantastic. I think this is definitely the right level of involvement. Um, I'm curious, like, what was it like for you growing up? How did your uh, childhood, your experience with your own father kind of dictate and, and help provide guidance to the way you're now raising your son? Well, first, uh, first of all, my dad wasn't really around much. My parents did get divorced fairly early. Um, I did have a stepfather that came into the picture, a great guy. Um, you know, still love him to pieces. Uh, but he was not like he had his own children and he wasn't super involved. And I don't think my mom really wanted him to be. Uh, my mom was just hardcore East coast woman who could take care of her kids on her own, but got married anyway. And <laughs> like, um, she remarried, I should say. Um, so my mom, 100% 
was always like there as the uh, the teacher, the disciplinarian. Um, she was a hundred percent involved. Um, my father, you know, my my biological father lived in the same town, but he had other priorities, and we weren't really a huge part of that. Now, over the years, he's soft he's softened a lot, um, and especially now that he has grandkids, he wants to be involved. Um, but you know, parenting is a definitely one of those reap what you sow sort of things. And I'm not, I just don't feel as close with him as I would like to. I, I have always, um, growing up craved a strong paternal relationship and just never really had one. Um, we lived in, in Trenton, New Jersey. It's a, a fairly rough area. My house was broken into, uh, several times when I was a kid and I did grow up with this fear of security. And there is something, you know, for, again, I, like sometimes I, I feel like I'm playing into stereotypes with things like this, but sometimes it just is what it is. Um, the thought of having a big, strong dad in your house who can keep you safe. And, and uh, you know, as, as a child, that's one of your heroes. And it's a huge perception as a child that daddy is always there to take care of you. And I didn't have that, but I craved it, you know? So I definitely would say that that thing missing from my childhood is part of the reason why, you know, half the time I, I am like, I try to be dad of the year. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to do my best, uh, to be there for my children and to be strong for them and to provide the things that I didn't necessarily have from a male role model in my life as a, as a child. Yeah. And I think that what you're also doing is giving them an opportunity to know their grandfather. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, pretty important for kids, uh, for your own kids. How do you, you know, I thinking about people who listen to this show who may be in a similar situation saying, you know, I have some kind of perhaps a falling out or have distanced myself from my parents. I, I'm wanting to kind of rebuild that relationship. Any tangible advice or any thoughts that you would provide those people? Well, I think you've got to, you know, it's almost two different battles to fight. You have your personal one, um, but I think you. It's sometimes for the sake of the kids, it's better to shelve that for the moment. The one unifying thing, even if you don't have a great relationship with them currently, the one unifying thing you have is that child or those children. And it's, uh, it's for the better that they know their family. Um, so as much as I may not instinctively go, Oh, I haven't talked to my dad in a while. Let me call my dad. Like that isn't really going to happen. But I will say, well, it's been a while since my dad had a chance to FaceTime with the kids. I should probably, you know, make that call this weekend. Um, so I found that the, the kids have been a reminder and a thing that pushes me to be more involved with my own father. And I can't say that we've necessarily grown closer or anything like there's no magic happening there. Um, but there's a mutual respect. And I know he loves his grandkids and wishes, I mean, he's all the way on the East coast. I would know he wishes he could see them more. Um, but I think, you know, they're going to be better for it having known their grandfather. And I shouldn't let my, you know, my history and my reservations, uh, impact the potential for their relationship with, with those people. So sometimes there's a little bit of sucking it up that has to happen. And then, you know, these things, if you really do want a better relationship with that person, these are the things that may bring that, you know, I've got to, I got to think that if you, uh, are, are sort of looking at the same little human being with those same feelings of like love and adoration that are just built into seeing a kid that's, you know, that's, that's yours. Um, I have a feeling like that common thing might be something that transcends some of the, you know, the, whatever the other things were that caused you to, to kind of separate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well said doing it for the kids and, uh, put, putting, putting that aside 
you know, mm-hmm. shelving it is a really good way of putting it. Um, you know, I can think of some very tangible examples of that in my own life uh, with certain people uh, that, you know, you, you don't want to set that example for your kids either, right? Like, you don't want to necessarily yeah. th- want them to think that, you know, I, I don't know, animosity is the right way to, to handle things. Um, certainly, standing up for yourself and being um, being assertive uh, of your own values and 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 all that and where that might differentiate from others that maybe you have a difference with is certainly important to to differentiate but kind of separating that aside for the sake of family and and allowing them to meet their grandfather like that's that's really big on you I think that's yeah. really awesome well and I also think on the flip side I think you know if we're talking about giving other people advice my dad is a great guy now you know he's yeah. he's great now um but if my dad were still a jerk, you know, or if he was still really self-centered or was into things that I don't think, you know, I want my children around. There is a point where, I mean, like I'm lucky that it isn't an, uh, an unrepairable situation yeah. or, or my dad is not an unredeemable or irredeemable person. Um, but some people may be involved with people like that. And th- those people that they have problems with, they might still be bad people. And in those cases, I'm 100% in favor of, you know what? It is best for the kids to not know this person. Or maybe this person has done so much wrong in their lives. They don't deserve to have a relationship with my children. I think there's very valid, uh, potentially valid reasons for for falling on that side of it. Um, But hopefully that's not for most people. Hopefully it's just these little little parent things that happen over the years that you Mm -hmm. just kind of get frustrated with. And as an adult, you've gone in a different direction. Yeah, certainly. And, and, uh, is your stepfather still in the picture? He is. Yes. Okay. So do they have a, do your kids have a relationship with him too? Yeah, they do. They don't get to see him as often as we'd like. My mom visits a lot. Uh, my stepdad has some health problems that prevent him from spending much time at, uh, high elevations. Um, so he can't be here all that often, but, um, he's always good with the kids. The kids love him and, uh, and they do have a pretty good relationship with him as well. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, though this has been a, a really fascinating conversation, Mark. I think it's it's really fun to get to know a new side of you that um, like a little bit of a different side of you. Like, you know, I've always seen you with the kids just seeing, you know, Nicole's Facebook pictures and mm-hmm. and, you know, following you guys for for the number of years that I have. Um, but seeing it from a little bit of a different angle, a little bit more of an intimate angle has been uh, really enjoyable. You bring a wealth of knowledge Um you know, just in these short eight years uh, of being a dad. Um, but, you know, thinking about others out there, I mean, myself included, who are, you know, creatives, people yeah. who have entrepreneurial aspirations, what sort of words of wisdom would you provide somebody who's trying to find that balance between being a, uh, a dad, a family man, a, and an entrepreneur and a creative kind of all culminated into one? Well, I think I touched on it before with the boundaries. I think knowing where you're supposed to be, uh, self-awareness is is really important. Um, if you're going to spend time with the kids, be present, spend that time. But it's also okay to say, well, look, um, I'm going to play for 15 minutes. I do this with my son all the time. He loves to wrestle. So we throw each other around on the bed. We chase each other around. Ava gets in on it. Um, and I say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to do this for about 15 minutes, but then I got to go get on call. I've got to go do an interview, you know, or I got to go do, I got to write an article, edit a video, whatever it is. And if I really need to get those things done, they respect that they understand that. But I also did give them 
you know, very direct, undivided attention for a period of time. A lot of people may say, well, you know, I'm not getting any work done and I'm also spending time with my kids, but it's kind of that half-assed time where maybe the TV's on, one of the kids has an iPad, I'm on my phone, and we, the only thing we're doing together is we just happen to be in the same room. (laughs) So rather, and then I'm on my phone, so I'm really not getting any good work done because I can't really type on the phone and I can't edit video on my phone. Um, So instead of sitting there for two hours, I'd rather have focused, attentive time with my kids for a half hour and then run into the office when I'm done and work there for an hour and actually get something done. Yeah. So I think just that that self-awareness of knowing what you're actually doing, what is this time with the kids actually doing for them? And then if I maybe put a little bit more of a divider between there and define what my time with my kids is and what my time at work is, if I define those things better, it's easier to keep them separate. And then you could focus on them when it's time to focus on them. Yeah, that's really important. You know, one thing that I've started doing is I will leave like my phone in the other room if mm-hmm. I if I go hang out with Aria for a bit, because otherwise it's like, oh, there's a work email. Oh, and there's a thing that I got to respond to and just yep. constantly and it doesn't end. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, it's bedtime. You know, yeah. it sucks. Oh, that's, and it that's sucks. the worst where I, I've done that so many times. And, you know, sometimes it's not even just work. I might have a, a game that I'm playing that keeps grabbing my attention. Yeah. And if the phone if the phone is nearby, I mean, it's amazing that these things didn't exist, you know, not that long ago. Um, how instinctively tied to them we are that if it's in my hand, I'm almost without even thinking about it, either opening up Instagram or, you know, playing like Star Trek fleet command or like whatever has got my attention at that time. Um, when what I should be doing instead of looking at the phone, when that moment of inattention occurs and I, I, I have some desire to do something else. If I don't have that phone with me, what's my next thing? I might go over and mess with my son, you know, and start yeah. to, to joke around with them or do something to entertain myself. And that's a much healthier thing to do with my time than to, you know, waste it in, in some app or some game. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I want to appreciate. I want to say that I appreciate you being on this show. This has been a, a tremendous conversation that I feel like you've brought so much wealth of of you know wisdom, um, you know, to this whole aspect of parenting. Um, why don't you take just a moment to let folks know where they can reach you and follow all your stuff? Sure. Well, first of all, I want to say it's very easy to be the perfect dad in a 45 minute interview, uh, <laughs> but c- come into my house when it's bedtime and you might see a little bit more frazzled, like what the hell am I doing with my life sort of moment, but, into that, brother. Um, <laughs> just, ke- just to keep it real. Um, yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us or find, you know, what, what Nicole and I are up to with the, the woodworking stuff, it's all at the woodwhisperer.com. And right now I would at least like to mention, um, we're doing our big charity event. Uh, so every year we have an event called woodworkers fighting cancer. Uh, we are not a charity ourselves, but we are trying to mobilize funds and direct those funds to a charity. In this case, it's cancer research Institute. And, uh, every year we, we design a project. We encourage people to build that project and then we pledge money. Uh, if you send in a picture of the finished project, we donate $5. If you do a video, we'll donate 10. We have all kinds of charity auctions on tools, supplies, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, so far since we started this thing in 2010, we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars, um, for cancer charities. So this is uh, the 2019 effort. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. And, uh, it's just, that's one of the things I'm most proud of that we've been able to do with, with our business. So, um, you could check that out at woodworkersfightingcancer.com. That's beautiful, man. Well, Hey, thank you again for being on the show and uh, everybody you. go check out Mark's stuff. It is wonderful. Uh, thank you again, Mark. Thanks, Alex. 
Thanks again to our guest, Mark Spagnolo for sharing a really awesome story. And you can check out thewoodwhisperer.com, as he mentioned, to see everything going on in his world. Really great content. Again, thewoodwhisperer.com. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, give us a five-star rating on iTunes and consider supporting this show. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, there's a link to become a patron. We have a lot of awesome rewards for patrons, so be sure to check that out. And if you'd like to chime in on the conversation today, email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can do so by searching for at Alex Albisu. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.